our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your host Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. So this is part two of What's the Stock Market and How to Get Started episode. Last episode, we went over what the stock market was, how to make money through it, and the reasons uh, why young people were investing. So if you haven't heard that yet, we definitely recommend checking that out. And today we basically want to go over, you know, what you can invest in, where you can invest, just hashing out the different things that are available. For example, stocks or shares of companies is something that we've all heard of, but there's other things that are worth learning about too. For example, mutual funds or index funds. Before we get into today's podcast, Sonia, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to all the overwhelming support that we have received We've literally just posted two podcasts. This is our third, but we've ended up being on the top four business podcasts in New Zealand on Apple Podcasts, which is absolutely mental. But more importantly, it just makes us so happy because it goes to show how many of us are out there that care about our financial future and how many of us would like to have chats about these things within our own circles. So it's it just it's so great to see. But anyway, back on track. So Sonia, if someone was like, all right, I want to get started in investing, where do I actually go? What would you say to them? So um, probably one of the most common and accessible ways to start your investing journey is by joining a micro-investing platform. So what a micro-investing platform is, it's where you invest small amounts of money on a fairly regular basis with the hope that, you know, over time, every little bit that you invest, it adds up to a lot. So some common micro-investing platforms for New Zealanders out there would be websites or apps like Hatch, Sharesies, uh, SmartShares. And with micro-investing platforms, I would say a huge percentage of millennial investors would use them because they're so good, they're so accessible. It's literally like online shopping, like I guess we can't physically show you right now, but if you imagined like going to an online website, clicking on the shirt that you wanted to buy, but rather clicking on the 
stock that you wanted to buy, literally going to the checkout, putting in your details, which are usually already like pre-saved, and then just being like checkout. Like that is how simple it is. You can access it anytime. And the best part is that you don't have to be on the phone with a stockbroker <laughs> trying to have them tell you like the stock is going and now, now it's going up in price and now it's going down in price. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, you can look at those graphs and those stocks in your own time. You can set up auto investments. It's what I love. Like you just set up your auto investment and you kind of just, like for me personally, I leave it. Mm -hmm. I'm not one to check my uh, investing every single week. I think I probably would glance at it every month. It's just so easy to use. Like I, I think it's just like a great way to invest. I think that's why people created those websites and those platforms to make it more accessible, to have more people, you know, start their investing journey because they do want to make it as simple as possible. It is very user-friendly. Another way where you can buy stocks, I think this is probably common knowledge at this point, you can go through a broker, you can go through a financial advisor. So they sit down with you, work out your goals, work out what you want to achieve from investing, and then they can direct you in the right yeah, direction, I guess, and they can help you, you know, choose the best stocks based on your profile, based on your risk appetite. Whether someone needs to go through a broker to invest is, I guess, down to your individual circumstances. If you feel more comfortable doing that, by all means, but make sure you're asking them the right questions, you know, like, are you affiliated with the companies that you are suggesting me to invest in? Like, do you get a cut from it? Why or why not? Are you not offering index funds and just stocks? Or why just index funds and not individual stocks or companies? Like, just make sure you ask them the questions that make sure that they're doing the best thing for you. That's so important to understand and realize as well. Just because you've got a broker or just because you've got a financial advisor doesn't mean that you yourself shouldn't be in tune with what's happening with your money. Like know where your money's going. Like it's, I feel like that's what financial literacy is, right? Like know more about your finances and how like you can grow your wealth. And that's so empowering to be able to stand on your own two feet. So where do you find a broker? Like where do you find a financial advisor? Probably the easiest way to find a broker is Google. Google is everyone's lord and saviour. Um, my recommendation would be jumping on the New Zealand Exchange website because they actually have a list of like brokers that they partner with or like companies that they partner with. And essentially, if you go on, if you go onto that website, you just have to type like find participants. Um, and it comes up with the whole list and their contact details would be listed there as well. One other way that you can invest is through banks. Um, some banks offer a micro-investing platform of their own and it's definitely worth looking into. But yeah, even if you aren't from New Zealand and you don't have access to the micro-investing platforms here like Hatch and Stake and ShareZ, every single country has their own version. So in the US, you've got Robinhood. In Australia, you've got Stake as well and you've also got little macro investing platforms like raise where every time you like buy a cup of coffee if it's four dollars fifty it rounds it up and that 50 cents it just invests for you no matter where you are as sim said there's going to be a macro platform or a space similar to the examples that we mentioned 
that exists in your country. It's just a matter of doing a little bit of research. Yeah. So moving on, this is the question we get asked a lot. What can you actually buy in the stock market? So people, if you've done a little bit of researching, a little bit of Googling yourself, you've probably come across terms like mutual funds and index funds and ETFs and and stocks themselves. And to be... We'll get a little bit overwhelmed. A little bit is such an understatement. I remember when I was looking into it, the first time I like read all these different terms, I was like, wow, this is literally going over my head. I don't get it. And so what I really want to do is break down the different things you can buy from the stock market and why you might want to buy one more than the other, depending on your own personal circumstances and you know what you're investing for. So the most common, most simple to understand is shares or stocks of a individual company. So With shares, you are buying a small piece of a company. So, for example, if you think of Facebook, if Facebook's broken up into a million pieces, when you buy one stock or share, you're buying one piece of Facebook. And you exchange that when you sell it or trade it with someone else. And it's basically your little ownership of Facebook. Obviously, you're not out here running the company because Mark Zuckerberg probably has 60% of all the stock and, and he gets the most say. But that is what stocks of individual companies are. You've also then got mutual funds. Now, mutual funds are like a basket. If you think of a basket and you put in those individual stocks of companies into the basket, so say uh, you get Tesla, you get Apple, you put in Microsoft, which you put in Google, and you've got this little basket and it's got lots of companies. And in a mutual fund, it's an active form of investing, which means that someone is choosing what companies to put into that basket. So they are saying what companies are going to do really well. They're looking into it. They're researching it. These people are called fund managers and they make banks who spend time learning because no one really knows what's going to happen. No one knows at all, full stop, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow with a company's stock price. So they are making very well-researched estimations or assumptions and they put all those companies that they think will do well into a basket and then as an investor you can buy a piece of that basket which is really cool because you get to buy a piece of all those companies in the basket as opposed to buying the companies yourself. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of a card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. 
To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Usually with mutual funds, so while they're very cool in terms of, you know, getting a lot of different companies in one go when you buy a little piece of a mutual fund, there's some of the downsides are that they often have high fees to pay for the fund manager's time and they usually have a minimum amount that you need to invest. So some funds might say, yep, you can come join us, but at minimum, you need to put in 5K. And as an investor starting out, that's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money for anyone. So that's something to take into consideration. So what you're saying is, is a mutual fund opposed to buying a company stock, it's giving people a way to invest in multiple in multiple stocks. absolutely yeah so that's quite an easy way to diversify like your basket right but that fund is managed by an actual person so a professional yes you're absolutely right and that word diversify is so important what that means is you are diversifying your risk. So if, say, Apple does really poorly one year, maybe Tesla did really well that year. And so, you know, it's a little bit of a balance. Whereas if you just invest in individual companies by yourself, you know, if one of them falls and you're not diversified, you're going to risk losing out. And if you have diversified with individual companies, that's a lot of time trying to buy lots of different companies. So you're absolutely right. With index funds, they're very similar to mutual funds, so you get a basket as well, but the difference is you don't have a person actively choosing what companies to put into the fund or the basket. You have a list, and it just follows a list. The list can be the top 500 companies in America or the top 200 companies in Australia. It might be the top 30 companies you know, in America or the top 30 tech companies. And so what happens is no one chooses those companies. They just are what they are based on how large they are. And so an index fund is a basket filled with the companies from whatever list that fund is based off. So the S&P 500 is a index fund where the top 500 companies in the US are put in that basket and if you buy a piece of that basket, you buy a piece of the top 500 companies in America. And I think that's pretty great because if that's not what diversification is, yeah. I don't know. That's probably why S&P 500 is arguably one of the most popular index funds out there. Absolutely is. And the S&P 500, this index fund, is actually the benchmark that mutual funds or active funds will try to beat. So if you mm -hmm. are in the S&P 500, people are paying money to mutual fund managers to try to beat the S&P 500, but historically the odds are more in the favour of the S&P 500. And so I think it is worth noting that their fees are lower, the index funds. And so for the everyday investor, according to Warren Buffett, who is arguably one of the most famous investors out there, an everyday investor, in his opinion, is probably better off beginning with index funds doesn't mean you have to and it's you know we can't tell you what to do or give actual financial advice to you but it's worth 
worth looking into. So what I'm hearing is index funds is just lower maintenance than what a mutual fund is, which is probably the reason why their fees are a little bit cheaper, right? Yeah. So this leads us on to ETFs or exchange traded funds. ETFs are basically index funds. They're the exact same. So if you have a index fund of the S&P 500, again, I'm always going to keep coming back to this example, <laughs> you'll always have the ETF version. And basically, they're the same fund. They invest in the same things. The only difference is that with index funds, you can only buy them at one price at the end of the day, so they don't fluctuate. Whereas ETFs, you can buy them throughout the day and the price fluctuates a little bit more. That's really it. In countries like New Zealand, sometimes we don't always have access to the index fund itself, but we have access to the ETF version, which means that you can still invest in the same things. You can still get the same gains or losses from that fund. It's just the way that you invest into it. There's also a couple of others and I'll just go through them a little bit quicker because they're not as commonly discussed. Um, that's definitely worth noting. So you have the index fund way of investing in housing. So if you're interested in property, but you really have no interest in going out and buying property, then you can invest in real estate investment trusts, which are basically a company or a fund that owns financial income producing real estate and you sort of just back them. And then they help and give you a profit in return if they, if they do well. The other thing that you can invest in is bonds. So the way that bonds are different from what we've talked about is in investing, you give your money into an investment, hoping that that company will increase over time. With bonds, companies will say, you know, if you invest with us, they're kind of in a way taking a loan from you and they promise to pay you back. Bonds are a lot safer than stocks but the returns that you can get so the money you can earn is of course a lot lower because there's a lot less risk the other types of ways you can invest in the stock market if we had to summarize them really quickly are things like penny stocks where you buy stocks of companies that are worth like 30 cents or you know a dollar very cheap and also cryptocurrencies like bitcoin which i'm sure we'll get into a lot of detail another time but basically what I'm trying to say is when it comes to the stock market, there are a lot of different ways you can invest and it can, by all means, come across confusing. But when you get to learn about them, you can work out what works for you, what aligns with your goals and values, and you can feel like you're making better and more informed decisions based on what you want to do. And I think that's very powerful. Just a recap of what we've spoken about in this episode. We've kind of gone through, you know, what is the stock market? and how you can make money from the stock market. Why do people invest? Where can you invest? And also what you can buy in the stock market as well. I think it's been a good lengthy discussion about all those topics because I think honestly, if you want to get into investing, but you've got this huge roadblock about what the stock market is, what the options are, that's a very huge barrier that would put a lot of people off because it's a lot of jargon it's a lot of words and it's a lot of overlap between things as well and I think that can leave a lot of us confused especially if we like you and me don't 
necessarily have extremely large backgrounds in finances, let alone someone that just has no background whatsoever. I definitely agree. I think as soon as you learn about one thing, it's like, oh, here's another term that I have to know and learn about and know more about. But just to echo what we've kind of said from the start, you don't need to know the ins and outs of every single thing to start your journey. I'm glad this episode allowed for us to build a little bit of context before we go into some other things in a little bit more detail. Yeah, and I think the foundation to all of this is very vital and we hope that this episode you know, really laid it out for you. But just before we go, you have enjoyed this and you want to keep learning more, feel free to check out our Facebook group, Girls That Invest. And also check out our Instagram, Girls That Invest. We love to post little tidbits and keep in contact with everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please, you know, send us a DM, give us a comment. If there's anything you'd like to see more of, anything we can improve on, let us know. With that said, Sonia's going to take us through our little ending. It's just a disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Mm -hmm. Very important. We out. We out. All right. See you next week, Sonia. Bye.